0: welcome to once more with commentary we are a buffy and angel podcast i'm Ginny, and i'm Allie. and this week we're talking about bargaining part two and then the angel episode called that vision thing was not the episode i thought it was same (laughs) (laughs) uh so we'll just get that out of there or get that note out of the way uh not that it really matters i just really like when are they gonna broach this cordelia issue but i don't whatever
1: Well, I think they introduced some of the players in that episode that you and I were both thinking of, but I definitely was a little surprised, like,
0: because
1: I thought it was a different episode, and I was like, I don't remember it happening this early in the season, but hey, whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay, well, whatever. It
1: was not that one. Nope. (laughs) We'll talk about which one it was after we talk about Buffy.
0: Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But how's your week going? Or how is your week starting? I don't know. Yeah, do you feel like I, Sunday is the beginning of the week or the end of the week? It's really no, both. No, I
1: always think of it as the end of the week because it's the end of the weekend. Yeah.
0: So. But I get really, really mad when people set their Outlook calendars to start on Mondays. It just confuses me. Yeah. People do like, that. It's I don't true. Know, maybe I you a do that, but it really bugs me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a different mental layout than like a calendar layout. Like, yeah. The way I treat Sunday and the way it's supposed to look on the calendar are two mm-hmm. very different things. Yeah. Hmm. Um, no, it's good. It's... Um, you know, it was a long, well, it was like one of those weeks that felt super short because it was just so busy and Mm -hmm. exhausting. And I was really, really, really happy that it was the weekend. Yeah, me too. Even though I had a bunch of like other stuff to do that was like not my job. I just, I
0: don't know.
1: I I, like haven't worn, like I've just been wearing pajamas all weekend. It's been fantastic.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah. I've been busier than I would like on the weekends, like, I really thought January would be, like, great, the holidays are over, and now I can just, like, have a few weekends to myself, but it just hasn't really panned out that way. I don't know, like, a lot of friends have birthdays in January, and, like, things like that, where it's like, oh, okay. Oh, we did actually go to this, um, Harry Potter exhibit yesterday, though. It was pretty cool. It was at the New York Historical Society. It's like, sure, I've never been there on its own. It's probably why they got this exhibit, to drum up some uh, new members, or, you know new interest in them, but they had a, it's like a historical exhibit about Harry Potter. So, like, basically it was arranged by the content of the books, but the actual pieces on display were, like, actual historical, like, books up that talked about alchemy or books that talked about magic or books that talked about astronomy, like that kind of thing. So it was like, not, you know, not that it was like real magic, but it was like the real historical notes about magic and like actual items from history, um, which was pretty cool. Like they had a cauldron that was like a real witch's cauldron. <laughs> um, and they had a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of like illuminated manuscripts, which are just always pretty to look at. Um, but I thought they did a cool job arranging it. Like, every room was a different class that they take, so, like, there was a room for Herbology, there was a room for Charms, there was a room for Potions, et cetera, et cetera. And then a few other things that were there.
1: That's pretty cool. I feel like that's, like, a tenuous, like, Harry Potter thing. Like, you're going to get a bunch of people, like, oh, we're going to see, like, props from the movies and stuff, and then it's, like... Just kidding. Props from the medieval times.
0: (laughs) Well, I I guess that was why I actually thought it was a pretty well arranged exhibit because they they talked about Harry Potter a lot in the placard. So you didn't feel like, oh, I got duped and this is just your old historical nonsense. Not that people think it's nonsense. You know what I'm saying, though? I I didn't feel like it was like a bait and switch. It felt like, oh, this is a cool way to talk about Harry Potter. Like, I did still feel like Harry Potter was in the forefront. And they did have a lot of um, they had a lot of the original um, illustrations on display. that's pretty cool. Um, So there was, so yeah, so like it was a good mix of like, it wasn't only that kind of stuff, but it was like, yeah, it was a lot of that. There were also like little illustrations that J.K. Rowling did when she was like writing the books and there were a lot of pages of like original, her original drafts and stuff like that. Um, My favorite. I think an
1: exhibit like that really points to the, like why it's so hard when you're reading the books to really pinpoint what year it's supposed to take place in until they mm. like actually start introducing things like Dudley having a PlayStation and stuff like that. But I think it's because like the wizarding world is like perpetually medieval, right? Yeah. So, yeah, a little.
0: <laughs> um but my I guess this is not surprising in retrospect, but my favorite part of the exhibit wasn't even in the exhibit. It was like after you left, they had just international editions of of Harry Potter. So you just got to see all the different like covers and books illustrations that they've done around the world um and I that was I was like wait a minute I could look at this all day of <laughs> I mean, the Italian one reminded me of some other Italian children's books that I've seen and like was like French ones had some really cool illustrations I think the French ones are actually my favorite um yeah anyway that was what I did yesterday That's pretty cool yeah
1: okay well let's get into bargaining part two mm-hmm we left off last time where Buffy woke up Oops, because nobody was there. And Uh her friends are off dealing with the demon motorcycle gang, so Buffy is left to claw her own way out of her coffin, which is never not horrific. And um, meanwhile, everybody's off trying to escape the demons, so Anya and Tara end up back at the magic shop. Willow and Xander get lost in the woods, and Spike and Dawn are still hunkered down at the Summer's house, and then Spike decides that they need to... Move rather than wait for demons to invade the house and injure or kill them. So everybody ends up out on the town. Um, The gang decides to leave and go back out and help because they're now convinced that the spell failed and Buffy's obviously not coming to rescue them and they're all that the town has now to fight these demons. Um, And Spike and Dawn go out trying to find safety, but also they come across the remains of the Buffy bot. So everybody ends up out on the streets. Um, The gang actually runs into real Buffy, who's kind of been wandering around this whole time, confused and Mm -hmm. disoriented, and obviously just woken up from death. So she's, you know, jumping at car alarms, and, you know, this isn't exactly the most peaceful re-entry into life. So... They encounter her in an alleyway and realize that it's not the Buffy bot, it's actually Buffy, and that the spell worked. And they're all a little horrified because they realize she had to dig out of her own grave. And also, she really doesn't really seem to understand exactly what's going on. Although when some demons show up, she does prove still effective at having to fight them. She knocks them out and kind of runs away. And then, as I mentioned, Dawn and Spike come across the Buffy bot and she kind of clues them in that she saw herself and is able before she short circuits to let them know that no she means her real self so Dawn figures out that she must have seen Buffy somehow. Buffy and Dawn both end up on top of the big scaffold tower that Buffy jumped off of at the end of the last season. Dawn finds her there and you know, Buffy is clearly reliving her death and also very confused as to where she is and what she's supposed to do. You know, she asks, is this hell? And Dawn says no. And, of course, the tower starts to collapse, so Buffy has to rescue Dawn. And um, that's pretty much where we end up. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows she's alive, but there's, she's clearly not okay.
0: Yeah. Well, the first two notes that I took while watching this episode were poor Buffy bot. Oh, poor Buffy. (laughs) So that's about where I'm at. (laughs) I was like, I, I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but like, I just, I know in my memory that like, well, that's not true in my memory, especially coming into this, um, these two seasons, I was thinking like, oh, the Buffy bot, I'm just going to be so grossed out by it. And that was true. You know, and we talked about that in season five, but I did forget how sad she makes me. She's just the most tragic character in all Buffy, perhaps. Like, man, does she not ask her any of this and just get met with some pretty ugly endings?
1: Well, it's but- so interesting because I think the show kind of plays a trick on you where she's clearly a robot. And, yeah. you know, I think some characters are clear on that. You know, Xander keeps saying it's just a robot. Spike reminds Dawn maybe even himself, it's just a robot, but mm-hmm. because they've kind of been using her as an emotional stand-in for Buffy yeah, yeah. in this intervening period, it does pack a punch when she's ripped apart by the demons. And- well, and
0: before that, they were they were like beating her on the ground, and that was just, it was really violent, and in a, yeah, yeah, I was just like, oh my god, why am I, I can't turn off that part of my brain, even though I know, yeah, they're telling me she's a robot.
1: Yeah, but the show is playing the opposite tack because, Mm -hmm. you know, Anya asking, where is the Buffy bot, you know, before they decide that she's lost, like her even asking shows how they've emotionally attached to her in Buffy's place. And I think we have as well, you know, because she is so lifelike and they really blur that line between human and robot that it's easy to be horrified at her death, even though I think the sting is supposed to be taken out of it because, oh, it's just a machine.
0: I mean I guess I don't think that it's supposed to be taken out of it. I feel like their success. I think no, that I mean was a- because of the violence. Oh, right. It. Yeah, I guess it's yeah. But I I guess I putting it in this putting it in these words, I actually I think that was really successful. I think that was a good use of something that like really could have been a one-off joke, you know, and then instead kind of turns into this like really emotional gateway into this season. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, well done, BuffyBot. And I, think, you I know, like you more than I realized, and <laughs> you're very sad, and I love you.
1: <laughs> yeah, cool, and Buffy. I think it's appropriate. Like, this is definitely a season of gray area, and yeah, yeah. I think the BuffyBot's treatment and death is definitely a gray area. Of, yeah. You know, it's like that ultimate question of, like, why the machines are going to rise up against us because well, okay. we're treating them <laughs> like robots instead of you know, I'm glad you brought that
0: up (laughs) because another note that I took is that me and Don are on the same side of the robot war. (laughs) (laughs) Don is very nice to the Buffy bot, obviously because she's having some attachment and, you know, confusion, emotionally confusing, confusing issues. But (laughs) I did think about that. I was like, well, Buffy, I mean, Don is being nice to the robot. So she and I will be in cahoots down the road.
1: Yeah. I mean, some of that is still like the show never like really wanted to have it both ways. Like, she acts human and yet her programming is not supposed to be that sophisticated. So it uh, I, don't know.
0: I I don't it think doesn't. that I, I don't I don't think that they're I I think the confusion is supposed to be there and I think that they've done it pretty well. I, I think she is really sophisticated because actually that was a, the another thought that I had when she is having that conversation with Don when the, the bot is and she's telling her, No, I saw me. Like that's actually really sophisticated too, because no, like, even it, being able no, to recognize yourself she, in a
1: is sophisticated but then you see Willow programming her or originally Warren was programming her and it's like it's just a bunch of files of like different scenarios that she's acting out and like that's clearly not what she's doing she's no one programmed her for a scenario in which she was like pulled apart and has to then recount how she saw her real life counterpart that doesn't fit with her you know what I mean so but have
0: they, prog- did they just program in some sort of I mean they've basically succeeded in creating some version of artificial intelligence then because it can react and respond and adapt to the real world right <laughs> yeah terrifying <laughs> yeah terrifying and tragic I guess the other thing that that you know again is is a thing that started off as a joke but ultimately really I think works very well is that because they've made her this, like, really cheesy, you know, optimistic, eager, bright personality, it makes it all that much sadder every time something terrible happens because she just can't conceive... doesn't seem to really conceive of those things on her own, you know? So it's, it's like, she really is kind of going through the world as this bright, bubbly character, and nothing can get her down, and then is repeatedly beaten down and brought down in a variety of ways. So it is it just makes it extra... extra sad.
1: Yeah. I mean, her death definitely has weight.
0: Yeah. Oof.
1: And this is the death of the Buffy Bot, so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I the other thing that you said that we, again, touched on last week, but I think I just would reiterate because I think this episode did it as well, is uh, I, like, these are, this is not my, these are not my favorite episodes, you know, because they're very place-setting and there's a lot of plot, but I, again, really felt like they're doing a good job of setting up foreshadowing and not not even just foreshadowing, but like this felt like a really good introduction to this season. Like you were saying, like the Buffy bot brings up these gray areas. Last week we saw Willow be ultra powerful and you know, kind of be set on a path. I guess I thought this episode in particular really puts the Dawn and Buffy relationship in the forefront in a way that is going to be developed the rest of the season you know, or is going to get is going to come back, going to come back. So I guess I just thought again like they, they are doing a good job of of, I think, subtly introducing all the things that are going to continue, they're going to continue to mine for the rest of season six.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, should we just talk about this idea that they brought Buffy back from the dead?
0: Yeah, I think I get, yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely. I, I think we talk. Oh, you mean they, they me the showrunners
0: like, or are they the, sorry, they no, the showrunners I mean or, the or they friends? the Scoobies? Like, I think. Okay.
1: They are the Scoobies. Like, I I think to me, like, that's the biggest element of this two-parter that really sets the tone for the whole season I don't mm-hmm. know if maybe that's what you were talking about but like I mean the Scoobies I mean Dawn I mean that conversation that she has with Buffy on top of the tower yeah, yeah. where she's telling her that she tried to do what Buffy asked her, her to do but she yeah. couldn't do it and she yeah. you know and it's like this is literally everyone failing at what Buffy asked them to do all she asked them to do was let her do what she needed to do and let her move it's on it's true it's true and now but- they couldn't even do that so like because they didn't accept she was dead. Like, they're only doing that now. And then she has to come back from the dead, claw her way out of her coffin, yeah. and then immediately get back to fighting when, it when like, yeah, yeah. car alarms are terrifying for her. She has to, like, yeah. fight all these demons. Like, how depressing, because it's still, like, basically innate in her. And yeah, like, no. And, like, she literally died, and her fight didn't stop because her friends wouldn't let it. Like, think right. about them using the Buffy bot. Like, they even continued it without her permission because they're just like, oh, we have a pseudo Buffy to like continue mm-hmm. the Buffy fight because even though Buffy died, we're not going to let her be done. And right. you know, now she has to keep on being the strong one for them. Yeah. Returning to her version of hell. So everyone else can feel better. Like right. I've never <laughs> been more proud of Buffy than when she like ran away from her crap friends. No, like, I, yeah, no, <sighs> I totally like, agree with you. So angry at the end of this episode.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, you're right. You're right. You're totally right. And, um, Shoot, I had a reaction in there somewhere, but I can't. I can't remember what it is. But yeah, Sorry, I, I kind of went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, no, I mean that's not exactly what I was talking about. But all of this is what I'm talking about. I think all of this. Again, it's like I understand why people have their misgivings about this season, but. I honestly think we're off to a great, you know, for this viewing, as you and I do, is reconsider everything and look at everything with a fine tooth, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb. Looking at these two episodes, I think it's a really strong start to something. I I think all of the elements are there. You know, I know they're not all going to be successfully executed down the line, but I think it where they go with this season makes complete sense. You know, what else can you do? (laughs) You know, I don't know. But yeah, I, I guess like, to your point too. I think they
1: expect her to be grateful to them, and
0: well, and we're gonna find out part of why they expect that yeah. later. And I don't think that they're wrong to have that thought. But yeah, I mean, I agree that another thing that I noted was like how obvious it is to me, knowing what we know, that like that. Yeah, the, one of the first things that Buffy says is, "Is this hell?" Because they wake her up. She has to claw her way out of her grave. Literally, the whole town has been looted and is on fire. No one's around and she has to fight horrific demons like all in the span of like maybe an hour. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, of course she would think that. Anyway, you know, she wakes up and sees her own tombstone. Like that's dark. That's a rough way, that's a rough start into like who knows what dimension she could be in, you know? I, it really no, has you're never right. Those are landed with her me first how ours ab- is is this yeah. hell. Yeah. And I guess to go back to that or just to kind of to continue down this road, I definitely think that you're right about her friends. I do not just because I'm the resident Dawn sympathizer, but I again I think that that I'm glad that her first real confrontation is, and I don't mean confrontation like it's you know that there's animosity in it, but like that her first real conversation in this episode is with Dawn, and that it, it again I just think it's really clear that like it is her first connection back into this world, but it's also so distant. You know they they're not connecting. And it's sad, you know, Dawn didn't, was not a part of this plot. She didn't ask to bring Buffy back. And I think that her, her telling Buffy that she failed and that, you know, that she needed her, I think is not so much, you know, with, because she wasn't part of the plot to bring her back. I can't really fault down for admitting those things once Buffy is finally back. You know, like what she's feeling is relief because the person that she loved second most or, you know, most along with her mom is finally back. I I, I can't really fault her for saying those things. Even if I understand why it makes Buffy feel bad. <laughs> you know, I don't feel like Dawn and is Dawn really is trying to put young. that on her. She, but she's also like, she's so relieved in that moment. You know, that Buffy is back. I understand why she says those things.
1: No, that, that yeah, and, uh, you know, she's young, and she's the only one who was truly dependent on Buffy. Yeah, that's true. More than just being <laughs> yeah. the Slayer. So, yeah. like, she gets a pass. Like, yeah. her it's a little selfish, but it's also totally understandable when she's just spewing out her relief to Buffy of, like, yeah. all the reasons she's glad to see her. Like, Willow yeah. saying that they have to do this because Buffy is counting on her is not at all the same thing. Like, right. that's selfish. And I, And again,
0: or not again, but I, why... That your observation of, like, how Buffy is taking all this information in and how the first thing that she hears from people is how, yeah, you asked us to do this and I couldn't do it. Like, I think that's also a really good note that, like, this first conversation that she has with Don, like, you can just see how at odds they're going to be for a while, you know, because... Dawn is so happy to have her back and Buffy is so burdened by being brought back. And it's not Dawn's fault, but like, of course they're, they can't just resolve this in a day, you know, like they're not just going to be happy-go-lucky, perfect family, you know, a few days or a week from now, because that's a really tough, um, dynamic to like come back into.
1: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't help that they leave her to dig herself out of her own grave, which is no one's fault, (laughs) but it still doesn't help.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because I think the tra- the trauma of that is just adding on to the trauma of everything else. That's
0: true. Well, and another thing that I thought was a good... It was a good line, even though it made me mad, is, you know, Willow, at the beginning of this episode, they're, they're trying to run away. And Xander makes kind of a jibe at her about, like... Basically, he's like, how could you not tell us how dark this was going to get? And I thought that was a great line, because it's like, on the one hand... I guess it's just a good demonstration of how willfully ignorant they're being. They know they're not, and we talked about this last week too, but like they're not thinking it past a certain point because they know if they do that they're going to convince themselves that they shouldn't have done this. You know what I mean? Like if they had let their thoughts truly go down all the paths that they should have, they probably wouldn't have done this. So it's like, yeah, I I believe that Xander would say that, but I also have no question in my head that at this point in their lives, Xander should know better. Yeah, you're casting a resurrection spell, Xander. It's going to get dark. <laughs> like You're being completely willful to not accept that going into it.
1: I think you're right. I think it does sound like willful ignorance. And I think we've seen evidence of that, you know, even in the last episode where we were talking about how Tara really should have known some of Mm -hmm. the stuff that Willow was talking about. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder too, of like if they tried to have this conversation with Willow, how far would they really have gotten? Because she has only demonstrated being single-minded in her pursuit of this. And even after the fact, she's like half dead and doesn't want to have the conversation with Xander about what exactly she got them into. And It's
0: true, but she might not have been able to pull it off if they hadn't helped.
1: Right, of course. But, I mean, like, even just the fact that she planned this and, like, even retroactively. And, yeah, okay, she's tired, she's exhausted, she just did this spell, she's on the run from demons. But it's clear that, like, (laughs) she doesn't want to engage with anyone on what exactly it was that she was trying to do. And it's, I think it's both willful ignorance on everyone's part and also Willow's just determination to prove that she can do this. And Mm -hmm. also, I think as we've been talking about, Willow's shift into like pushing herself really far in magic and not necessarily having the necessary fear about what she's doing because Mm -hmm. she's just become convinced that she can do anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is
1: such a far cry from even where she was like halfway through last season. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think it's like her comfort with magic has gotten to a disturbing level. Mm Mm-hmm yeah i don't think anybody comes out looking good in this i mean the only ones who get a pass are spike and dawn because they didn't for know sure. this was happening yeah yeah
0: i i mean i i think that's also kind of an interesting conundrum for them to kind of leave in the air is like had they known would they they probably would have still let them go through with it but we'll never really know you know yeah
1: and I mean, I don't want to be too harsh because I think the way the show convinces you to give everyone a pass is that they are convinced that they've saved ca- her. They, like, saved yeah. her from, yeah, from a hell dimension. So.
0: Hey, but that so hasn't come up in the show yet. So I thing. think we can be hard on them in this episode and we can re- regroup in the next few.
1: Well, no, she said that in the last episode.
0: Oh, you're right. She did. Okay. Oh,
1: did. Yeah. And
0: that their one Buffy experience with a sim. Some- she was. But within, and their experience with a similar death was Angel, who definitely wasn't in Hell Dimension, so it's not, it's not totally unreasonable that they have that thought. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, and uh, sorry, I know I'm just kind of retreading a lot of ground, but we talked a lot in season five, too, about how, like, Buffy really is, was so, so burdened by the end of that season that it just really is a pun intended, like, nail in the coffin this episode, that it's like, after all of that, and she's now just re-burdened entirely by everybody that she loved. (laughs) And that, yeah, it's not just that they brought her back, it's that they bring her back into the situation in which she immediately needs to save them all.
1: Yeah, it's it's also a very interesting parallel. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit at the end of season five about the kind of sneaky undertones of, like, Buffy committing suicide. Yeah. And... I, this is a little bit like a failed attempt, right? Like where she is brought back to life against mm-hmm. her will because she doesn't want to be living on earth anymore and yet her loved ones kind of insist that she does. And mm-hmm. I don't think that it's a perfect analogy, but it kind of, if you go down that route, I think it yeah. still kind of follows. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of explains some of her depression. Yeah. I don't really want to go beat that right. down too much because it's not exactly the same thing as yeah and i don't want to but we did talk a little bit about how some of buffy's conversations and thoughts before she essentially jumps to her death were mm-hmm. you know strikingly similar to mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts that's true yeah yeah so just just continuing that vein but yeah. we don't have to really <laughs> go anywhere with it
0: yeah
1: um I guess we'll give Buffy a pass, too, because she didn't have anything to do with this, either. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it is... It's so funny because, yeah, like, the more that we just circle and circle and circle this conversation, the more, it's like, I literally almost said the words out loud, like, yeah, Willow's the only one to blame. <laughs> like, Willow's the villain.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, I think it's I such an interesting thought because yeah. I kind of had that, too. Like, I was so angry at the end of this episode, and Willow is the main person you can point to. And yeah, and I don't mean you know, that. I always think yeah. of this season as Willow becomes the villain at the end, and right. you know, now I'm watching it this time, I'm like, is that true? Was she the biggest, exactly. the villain? from the first episode.
0: Yeah, and that's 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 kind of what I mean is it's like it is it is so fulfilling to to go through the go through the show this way because especially when you're binging and when I'm only giving it half my attention because I've seen it 20 times, I don't always reconsider kind of what my you know initial takeaways from the show were. So, it is funny yeah. that like yeah, I think even though, though I've seen this season a lot, I don't think I'm usually giving it the kind of free consideration. And so I just go back to like the very first time I watched it where I'm like, oh, that's a weird way to end it. You know, like, oh, I don't know if that that kinda came out of Left Field, but it, it doesn't, I don't think. Or at least no. right now, I don't right now I feel like it's not going it, how can it come out of nowhere when this is the first two episodes of the season? <laughs> no,
1: I think and I think even last season we were talking a little bit how mm-hmm. they were already laying the groundwork. Yeah, and I for think sure. it's really important yeah. to call that out because it's not a simple story of a villain it's a story of addiction and what that does to willow and yeah know, the the compromises well, i think she's willing to make with herself and mm-hmm. excuses over trying to keep her power that she's discovered and that's
0: what i was i think is more about power than addiction i mean they make the very obvious heavy-handed episode about addiction i don't think right now i would pose it that way but maybe maybe I think she
1: is addicted to the magic and I don't necessarily think that it's the same as like a drug addiction. I think the power is what's attractive about it. But also I think her behavior, like the secret keeping and I mean, we'll talk about it as we get into it, but Willow is not likable in this season, even before she goes dark and veiny. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of that is just, she's acting like someone who is desperately trying to hold on to something that she, she thinks is good, but everyone else thinks is bad for her. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. A, I'm excited. Villain, yeah, but she's sympathetic, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, and when we talked before, I'm like, I'm nervous about a lot of things that are going to happen in this season, but I'm excited to talk about Willow's evolution because I think it's going to feel a lot more organic than most people, including myself, give it credit for.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in the moment, too, when you're watching it, especially if you're binging it, it's hard to notice how they're laying this groundwork because then Mm -hmm. you're immediately distracted by other villains and, you know, other um, Mm -hmm. things to come.
0: Because there's so much in seasons four and five that's in the foreground, you know, in the foreground that this Willow stuff is happening subtly in the background. And it is, you can't catch all of it the first time you watch it. So, yeah, I I think it makes sense that you're going to maybe have these reactions, but...
1: It's interesting that you say that because I agree with you. I think that that's true. And I think I never really appreciated until this... watch through that so much of season six had groundwork laid in even going back to season four Mm -hmm. and five and if you if you think of the first three seasons of the show I would have no problem saying oh yeah seasons one and two definitely laid a lot of groundwork for season three right but I never really thought of the later seasons that way and I think it's it's not correct to say that that doesn't happen and I also think it's an interesting Idea of not noticing that while it's happening because Mm -hmm. maybe it's just because they're they're growing up and like adult life is way more messy and complicated Mm -hmm. and you might not always notice the through lines the same yeah yeah so good job show good job show yeah
0: (laughs) off to a good start I mean these are not like I said this is not my favorite episode because it's kind of no like it it wasn't it's not super fun to watch yeah and not a lot is going on it's kind of the same plot with the demons who are fine but you know I don't. These are not highlight reels demons. They're not, de- not going to yeah. make a highlight reel
1: of demons. <laughs> exactly. Like,
0: <laughs> so yeah, they're basically like just
1: like a means to an end. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it's not my favorite episode to... They're not my favorite episodes to watch, but they, I think, are very, very interesting starts to a season. And they... Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about one parts one and two now, obviously, but... Yeah. Yeah.
1: Although, they do give us the wonderful moment of Spike laughing at the rioting and saying it looks like <laughs> fun. <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> oh, and I like that Spike called Don a pigeon when they got on oh, the boat. Yeah. They like Come stole. A, yeah, <laughs> and that Don put on a helmet because I think that's important. I'm sure yeah. that was a show note from like the executives. Like, can't show minors on TV without helmet. <laughs> yeah, but good. Um, you so want to talk about buffy's brown hair?
1: Yes. Okay, but I have a whole fashion <laughs> corner that I did a roundup of. Okay.
0: Okay. So I have another um, few notes yeah. anyway
1: because i didn't know that death gets rid of your blonde highlights
0: <laughs> i know <laughs> well and then so you know i'm watching it with alex and he was like well you know she kind of got like rebuilt or he made some sort of point about like she gets returned to maybe some sort of original state because her body her, her body did like literally come out of thin air you know it wasn't the same thing exactly but yeah i don't it doesn't make any sense she's got makeup on, which I know is a TV thing, but that is my big gripe all the time in TV shows. Like, Buffy did not come out of the grave with eyeliner on, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was
1: thinking of it as maybe she did, because they obviously buried her, so maybe she, like, and they put her in a dress and heels, so, like, maybe oh, she had makeup I'm on. I'm sorry,
0: I'm sorry. I mean to say they can't have it both way with the brown hair and makeup. It's gotta be one or the other. She's got oh, blonde oh. hair and makeup, or she's reanimated and her body has been rebuilt out of the ether, and then she's no makeup and brown hair. So, I don't accept them together. Yes, yes, I accept well, that. Do you, certainly, you dress someone up when you bury them.
1: <laughs> so her hair in this season is definitely darker than it was, and yeah, um, I just spent the entire episode wondering if it was like a very intentionally messed up hairstyle or a terrible wig. And I think it's I a terrible wig. Side of wig, it yeah, is, yeah, because the Buffy bot has different hair.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: well, that that is the one thing that always bothers me about this episode is Buffy's hair
0: I know I, I was like I know I, I literally in my notes I'm like I know you're gonna bring this up but <laughs> Speaking of hair, fashion everybody's notes. Yeah.
1: eyebrows are distractingly thin and oh I very
0: thin yeah I get over like Willow's eyebrows I was gonna say I only <laughs> noticed it with Willow but yes
1: also I had one more fashion note so um Anya's giant belt with those low-rise jeans felt very of his time. <laughs> like, with the blazer, yeah. like, everything. I was like, oh, I know what year this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anya was also just generally great, like, thinking that telling Buffy about their engagement is going to help her feel better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but I I really like um, Anya and Tara in this episode. I think Anya is incredibly relatable, and she's totally right to hold Xander to this. Like, I, I do under... I don't believe that Xander is only dragging his feet because he's having some, you know, commitment issues or fear of commitment issues or whatever. I do feel like there was genuinely at some point kind of a, like, I can understand where it's like, it's an awkward thing to bring up when everyone is in misery <laughs> to be like, Hey, you guys, your life is terrible. But by the way, we got engaged. Like I I get it. But I definitely think that she's on, she's in the right at this point where it's like, it's been months. You need to tell everyone, <laughs> like, what are you, why are you trying to hide this? It's, Sort of a red flag about I also don't necessarily
1: agree that after like a, maybe like a month, like they wouldn't have welcomed some good news. Exactly. Like, yeah.
0: I'm like, I get it that day, maybe not the right time. And this particular day, maybe not the right time, but there've been several months in between in which there was probably a way to bring it up.
1: <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't make Xander look very good.
0: No, it doesn't. Um, but I also, sorry, just on the same kind of like side character note, I uh, continue to love Tara obviously, but I really liked that they gave her the opportunity to kind of like, you know, she acts one of the demons in this episode to save Well, I thought that was like a cool, it was a good, it was a good turn for her.
1: Yeah. She's always it's helpful Tar- and she's always
0: there, but it's nice to see her really be capable and whatnot.
1: Yeah. She also came through with her spell. So right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Tara definitely was the woman of action. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. So I had one more note about the Buffy and Dawn scene which is okay. mostly only, like, why is the tower still standing? So I know. <laughs> nobody in city council was like, what is this mysterious tower? Yeah. Like, who has a permit for this? But then I wonder if, um, you know, the scene at the end of the season where um, City Hall got, like, blown up and, like, all those demons came out of it, like, did, did that get reversed when Buffy died or did everyone I know. in City Hall die and that's why the tower is still standing?
0: Maybe, yeah. (laughs) It is a good question. I don't don't
1: think I should rethink it or overthink it too much. Mm -mm. I just was glad that they said something about it being built by crazy people and being unstable because as soon as I saw it, I was like, why is it still there?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, we're off to a wonderfully upbeat start to this
0: season. (laughs) (laughs) So upbeat. Okay, well, do you want to talk about that vision thing?
1: Yes, a.k.a. not... That vision episode. That yeah,
0: I, it was. <laughs> I wonder if you and I are even talking about the same thing. Like I find so. Because <laughs> yeah. we
1: met Skip in this episode, and that's yeah, the <laughs> I studio. was like, yeah. oh,
0: isn't Skip involved? In okay, whatever. Well, all right. So I'll do my best to summarize this, but um, basically, this episode starts out with Cordelia getting yet another vision. I mean, we've been seeing for the last several episodes that they're taking a seem to be taking a bigger and bigger toll on her physically. Um, and this time it seems like that's gone even it's taken even another step up in that not only is she having severe headaches and severe you know nausea or whatever, other kinds of sort of like neural pain, but she's has physical scratch marks on her after getting a vision of some demons with claws. Um, so it seems like things are getting a lot worse. She doesn't immediately tell everyone about that, but she does set them on,, um, you know, set them on a path to go chase down some sort of item. Um, Which they do. Uh, Wesley and Angel have like a martial arts battle with some store owners who turn out to be some sort of demon. And maybe they I think they killed them. (laughs) Um, And she later has another vision that kind of has them go through similar motions, collect another item. Um, But we eventually find out that it's not. Well, they decide to investigate with Fred's help and Lauren's help. They think that maybe they can figure out why the powers have de- powers that be have decided that she needs to endure all of this for the visions because supposedly, right, they're giving her these visions because they were trying to help her out. So why would they also be punishing her for them? So as they start investigating, they find out that, in fact, it's not the powers that be that are sending her these visions. It's a demon that Wolfram and Hart has hired. It's our good friend, Cowpen, who is also an episode of Buffy. <laughs> um, so he's he's got some sort of psychic abilities. He's able to sort of hijack the way, the you know, path communication lines that the powers that be usually use with Cordelia to give her these even to give her visions that he wants her to have um, and to cause her the physical pain. Uh, Maybe he's not doing that part on purpose, but um, once they find out this, they realize that they haven't actually been fighting the bad guys, that the people that they've been sent to hunt down were actually good guys. Um, So yeah, then Angel finds this out and he confronts Lila, who seems to be orchestrating it at Wolfram and Hart. um, And she kind of has him, has it over on him because she's holding Cordelia's safety hostage. Um, So she convinces angel that the only way that they basically make a deal that they'll take away this stuff that they've been putting on Cordelia. If he goes and frees a demon or a person that's being mystically tortured and captured. So he does, he has to travel to another dimension. He meets skip the guard demon. Who's super charming and adorable. Uh, Maybe not adorable, but charming and fun. Um, and he does manage to rescue this guy who's in, in a prison of flames. Um, and then they do like a handoff with Lila and sure enough, yes, they undo what's been done to Cordelia. They kill the cow pen demon and they've set this guy free. Um, and at the very end of the episode, we again get a little flash to, um, Darla, who's still pregnant and still trying to find some sort of solution in this case, sounds like she's trying to get rid of her pregnancy. And when it seems like the last person on Earth that she can ask still can't help her, she decides that she's going to this time to go see Angel. She says, Daddy, but I really didn't want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's more or less it. Gavin Park is back also kind of in part of the Wilferman Hart deals, but he's not the one who's orchestrating this particular doesn't seem to be the one orchestrating this. Particular engagement.
1: No, it's pretty clear Gavin Park needs to step up his game because yeah. he's going after fifty-seven code violations yeah. and
0: not kill Cordelia. Yeah. So they're
1: not really on the same playing field.
0: Yeah, and Angel sort of. And she that basically way. tells
1: him like, "You yeah. need to be a little more imaginative."
0: So does Angel. Angel's like, "What are you That's on? How we why would it. I care about this?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so it does
1: kind of sound like the hotel's about to fall down, though.
0: So. It does. Then they've got asbestos. Of course they do. Makes yeah. sense. Um, I didn't say this also because, I mean, Fred was involved in them tracking down what was really happening with Cordelia, but Fred is also clearly starting to take a bigger role in the show and among Angel Investigations. You know, she's not only hiding in her room now, she's socializing with Gunn and... Um, What's-his-face? Gunn and Wesley. Um, you know, she's bonding a little... Maybe not bonding, but she's spending time with Cordelia, etc., cetera, et cetera, so... Fred is also becoming a bigger part of the show,
1: and like we we saw her in the last episode, not even able to leave her room. Mm-hmm. But then this time, apparently, she's even leaving the hotel.
0: Mm-hmm. So. It's true. Big and then like the first scene with her is, um, <laughs> you know, Wesley and Gunn are trying to be extra sensitive to Cordelia because she actually hasn't been having any visions, and so she's feeling a little bit bad about it. And so they're being super polite to her, and Fred's just like heckling them from the from sitting on the floor, <laughs> like giving them grades. I thought that was very relatable. I love grading people. <laughs> um, but yeah. How am I doing right now? <laughs> B minus C plus. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think those are the grades that she gave them though. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. she
1: was forking with gun. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I mean, I actually like this episode a lot. It wasn't like we've said 20 times now. It wasn't the episode that I was expecting it to be. But I actually thought the plot was pretty... You know, I didn't remember what was going on, and I thought it was a pretty good twist. You know, that it's like, oh, she's been getting these visions, and when we saw that this other demon was d- responsible for it, I was kind of like, well, that's weird that he's sending her on missions. But It took me a second to catch up and be like, oh, of course their missions, they've sent them to do bad things instead of good things. Like, it-, it took me a minute to catch on, but I thought it was like a fun turn, and I liked it. I liked Skip a lot.
1: I loved it. yeah. I don't think this is the last that we see of Skip, if I'm remembering
0: correctly. I, okay, I'm glad you said that, because I really was like, oh, I thought he kind of had a bigger role. Oh, okay, Angel beat him kind of quickly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, Cal Penn being the demon that was giving Cordelia her her bad visions mm-hmm. was, was fun. Because yeah. I was trying to remember if this was before or after Harold and Kumar.
0: Should have been before. I think this is still before. I
1: mean, that was yeah. his
0: breakout role, kind of, so...
1: Yeah, that's why I'm thinking that it probably was before. But
0: but he was also in Beer Bad as one of the like jerk oh my God, college that's guys. Right. <laughs> I was like, wait so a minute. do we
1: think that he's supposed to be the same character? No, but and that would after be his lovely. beer incident, he just like lost half his head and got powers.
0: Baby, he was so um like turmoiled by how dumb he had become that he went on a quest to like enlarge his brain, and then it went down this other path. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if somebody knows the backstory of Calpin's two characters Mm. in the Buffyverse, let us know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm certain they just liked him and cast him a second time, but I do really like to pretend things are connected when they're not.
1: Yeah, I. But you know what? I mean, to be fair to the casting people, you had to remind me that that was the case.
0: (laughs) I thought it was the first thing I thought. I was like, "Oh, (laughs) you again." Yeah. I also love always the little touches. I mean, actually, I think this episode was a good example of how Angel can be fun. Um, Because we talked about this a lot in like season one or two with Wolfman Hart. Like, it's fun when they kind of merge this just like corporate office humor with like this mystical world. So, like, this the first thing that him and Lila are talking about is she's like, you know, I can't pay you if you don't fill out your 1099 or whatever. I was like, that's just fun. I love demons having to fill out paperwork.
1: I mean, I think that's the part that's always worked best about Wolferman Hart. Yeah, is that yeah. When they sprinkle in the corporate stuff, you know. Exactly. Like performance reviews that are not what you and I go through, right? And um, you know, <clears throat> as hellish as ours might be, it's not that. And, mm-hmm. You know, but that's what makes it fun, even when they get annoying, mm-hmm. and repetitive, and you're just like, "Ugh, these people again." Yeah. But but
0: like no matter know, how mystical seen you Milan are, in a while, so <laughs> it's true. I like her new haircut, though. Yeah. Um, And
1: this episode, I think, is more of like a table setter. Like, we are definitely going to see a lot of the characters in this one again.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Because I'm trying to think about, like, what I got out of this episode beyond gross vision manifestations. Mm -hmm. And really, it's more just like proving the the lengths that Angel Angel will go to for his team.
0: Well, Um, and for Cordelia specifically.
1: Yeah. I think. And also this idea that Cordelia still thinks that she's being punished yes. in some way.
0: Yeah. Because that's I, not the
1: first time she's asked it, it's that. It's not.
0: You know? Yeah. I No, I, I wrote that down too where I was just like, actually, I think that's a nice through line that we've... She's pretty much been... I think that first comes up in season one. Uh, Maybe yeah. not until she gets the visions. I don't know. There was definitely more a few times early on where she's questioning if she's being punished for the way she acted in high school, basically. And it's... I think that's a really sweet thing for her to say. Because... It does make sense on some level to question yourself that way. But I think from my, you know, much older than her perspective, like, no, no one, probably you shouldn't be held accountable for, punished for the rest of your life for being shitty in high school. Well, and I think it
1: also shows her growth. I mean, yeah. high school Cordelia would never question whether she was being punished for something. Yeah. She wouldn't have considered her behavior worth punishment. She would have thought it was like, fine, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of heartbreaking, too, you know, that she still thinks that... Yeah. You know, as much as she thinks that this is... Like, she's devastated at the idea of losing her visions, but yet she thinks somehow, like, she is being punished through them. So that's really interesting.
0: Well, and to that point, too, she's not willing to give them up up until pretty far into this up ep- you know it, it has taken a lot she has been taking physical punishment for a while and she still wasn't willing to give those up because it's the way for her to be useful to the team at least in her eyes
1: you yeah. know
0: so like I, I think that also speaks volumes to her actual character and to like how far she's come mm.
1: absolutely like she wants to be of use mm-hmm
0: yeah oh
1: Cordelia I know
0: um I did I was as, I really liked Skip. I'm glad that you're reminding me that he's going to come back, but I did think that a- battle with Angel was a little bit underwhelmed. I was kind of like, well, they didn't have to send Angel to do this. It seems like it was pretty easy to beat that guy up. <laughs> I suppose that's just yeah, not what the point really of the seemed... episode is. <laughs> and I guess we, as viewers of the show, know maybe I don't need to see always how clever and strong Angel is to know that he can probably best someone like that. Like, I trust yeah. that... Yeah, that he is that strong and other people aren't, but...
1: But maybe because it's not the point of the episode, right? Like, right, exactly. There's no doubt that he's going to free that guy, and and Skip will get his time in the sun.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not
1: the sun, but...
0: Mm-hmm. Introduces... You know what Skip. I mean. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> Do you have any desire to talk about Darla and her uh, mysterious... No. I
0: completely forgot about her plot line until they brought me there again. Like, I was not waiting for it. I was not looking forward to it. I wasn't even expecting it because this episode's so, like, I, I, like I said, this is my my all-time favorite episode of any of these shows. No, but I thought it was really fun, and I was enjoying watching it until they got to that point. I was like, oh, this again. Always. That's always how I feel about Darla.
1: And there weren't even any flashbacks to remind us that she was going to show up, so. yeah. You know, like in the last one.
0: Yeah. And I get, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to feel about Darla's pregnancy this time around. And the results of bit. But we'll see. Yeah. That's okay. pretty much what I've got about <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, do I have more? I don't think I do. Like I said, this is mostly a table setter, I think. Yeah.
0: But I Which liked it. Makes you sense. You didn't say it's you liked it, but I liked it. second episode
1: of the season. And unlike on Buffy, they're not trying to undo a, you know, massive table changer game changer mm-hmm.
0: yeah unless
1: hmm. we count the subtle um continuation of the angel and cordelia relationship
0: yeah which i still like
1: yes there's a okay. lot of hand holding and stuff
0: like them holding hands or you mean the show holding our hands
1: maybe a little bit of both <laughs> yeah. as they try to ease us into it
0: <laughs> i see okay
1: that's not mm. really what I meant, but it does fit. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So next week for Buffy, we have an episode called Afterlife. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember the specifics of it. Um, and on no. Angel, we have an episode called That Old Gang of Mine, which I always never know what the next episode of Angel was, so it could be anything.
1: <laughs> that pattern is continuing. Yep.
0: Still don't know what's going to happen next.
1: <laughs> yeah, no idea. Okay, well, we will find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just a quick, on that note, while we're talking oh, yeah. about the next episode, we, just a reminder that we are airing for the next few months, or next couple months, every other week. Yes. So, this will be airing probably end of January.
0: Yeah.
1: And then the next episode You'll will be You'll miss us in for a week. Weeks. So, mm-hmm. we will be talking about afterlife and that old gang of mine not next week but the week after yep because I had to remind myself
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I probably said next week when I introduced it so
1: yeah but that's okay um and like we said um last time we'll keep that schedule as long as we need to and we do have plans to revert back to every week it's just to accommodate some um availability issues that I've created so (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna do our best to work around those Yeah.
0: I mean, and I'm with us while we, yeah, sorry that we have to do that, but it's also hard to. Yeah.
1: This is not our primary
0: job and it is difficult to schedule our lives around it sometimes. Yeah. Real jobs
1: that pay bills that we have to accommodate. So, um, fortunately we can do that. Mm
0: -hmm. If somebody Um, wants to pay us, um, (laughs) pretty hefty sum i would definitely be willing to get back to a weekly schedule almost no matter the cost so or the you know emotional cost so (laughs) if this really bothers you you can do something about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah i would like to be a co-manager in hell for eighty thousand dollars please yes (laughs) Uh,
0: well on that note do you have any pop culture recommendations this week
1: um, you know what? Actually, I think I thought of that because I was trying to make my way through the end of the office mm-hmm. again. Um, it's slow going because it's really not up to it's the not good at early the season standards.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Um, but other than that, no, I don't. I don't really have anything.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, finally. So I, I know I've talked about this a hundred times since we've been doing this podcast. I am rewatching Bones. I finally, on this particular rewatch, got to the, like, my last, like, I'm watching new episodes for myself now, because I never actually finished a show. I've probably, I probably, I think I had seen the first nine or ten seasons, and so I'm now, like, hitting that spot where I haven't seen them. It's very exciting. Wait, the
1: first nine or ten, how many are there?
0: There's, like, twelve.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Is it too many?
0: Yes. Is it a perfect show? No. Is it my show? It is. I, I probably said this before, too, uh, uh I have a theory that I think almost everybody has a crime procedural show of choice. You know, it might be CSI, it might be NCIS, it might be Law & Order, or it might be a Law & Order SVU. For me, it's Bones. I just really love it. Totally working for me. And I'm watching Bones every episode with too, a very but
1: close eye. I think it no, but suffers from the same mm, thing as all of those shows where they
0: just don't end. Yeah, it does. But I'm, I'm still enjoying it. You know, sometimes you just go all in on something. It's not because it's perfect, but I like it. And I, I'm, like, watching it in the like, background. So do you I, sit
1: down and watch no. the episode, or do you just kind
0: of put it on in the background? No, it's just on in the background while I'm doing other things. See, I don't think that that counts. I think that counts. That's, that's how... That's, like, well, I, I mean, I guess to count. each their
1: own, but that's why I gave up on a lot of shows this year, because I realized that's how I was watching them, and I was like, I, it honestly makes no difference to me whether they're on or not. <laughs>
0: I mean, I'm paying enough to. To be fair, since I had seen everything already, I could ignore it a little more, and now I am going to have okay. to pay a little closer attention. I don't know. I guess it's, now that we're doing this with Buffy, Buffy can't be my background show, so I need something that sort of <laughs> fills this. You know, it's still got David Boreanaz in it. And I think he's better in it than he is in Angel, so, you know, maybe not better, I think but that's I 100% enjoy true. him more. Yeah. So it, it is sometimes confusing when I go back to Angel, and I'm like, wow, oh, I've just been watching so much of him. <laughs> Ugh.
1: But you know why he's better? Because we've talked about this before on Angel. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so much better when he's not playing brooding Exactly.
0: Angel. I know. I yeah. said that this week to people. I was like, ugh, oh, and Bones. He's always funny, Angel. <laughs> he's always chipper. I mean, he's not always chipper. He's got some rough things that happen, but it's like generally speaking, he's the happy go lucky version of himself. Anyway, yeah. so I've already recommended that show on this podcast, but that's what my life is. That's what my life is right now. <laughs> um, I did also finally start... I, I, I sort of had started it a few times, but just because the holidays got in the way, I just really didn't do any reading for the last month and a half. But I'm finally reading the third book in the Broken Earth trilogy. And I have to say, I think it's off to a great start. I The second book for me was not my favorite, even though I still really liked it. And this one, I think, is kind of back to some of the things that I enjoy. Or maybe I'm just more used to kind of the post-book one life of the book that I'm enjoying it. I'm really excited to yeah, finish it, I've- too.
1: I really liked the third one. I also read her trilogy that she wrote oh, the other before one? that mm-hmm. one, and I did not like that I've heard that,
0: that before, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, maybe I won't go into that so, then. So,
1: the first book was fine, right? I'm actually still trying to finish the third book mm-hmm. because I just feel like I have to complete it, mm-hmm. but it's a struggle. Okay.
0: So. Well, that's good to know then. I won't... I have other things that I want to read uh, ahead of that anyway, so... That's good to know.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't prioritize it to be okay. honest. Whew. But the third book in the Broken Earth trilogy is very good.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to I did enjoy finish that. It. Yeah. I've been reading the trilogy yep. forever, so time to time to close this one out.
1: All right. Well, I will talk uh, to you uh, in a week.
0: Ah, uh, 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 uh. this is the second time you're doing uh. this. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Who's team are you on this week?
1: I'm so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I forgot again. Oh, Jesus. Um, I'm going to say Tara.
0: I'm team BuffyBot. Farewell. Aww. Okay. She
1: didn't do anything except die.
0: And made me really sad while she did it.
1: <laughs> no, actually, she had a um, a noble end, mm-hmm. I suppose. I agree. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. All right, I'll <laughs> talk to you later. <laughs>
1: Bye Once More With Commentary is produced by me, Allie And me, Ginny Our
0: theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder
1: And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com With any feedback, questions, comments that you have And find us on Twitter and Instagram at
0: podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com